Blog Talk Radio. Another segment of PI Window on the World, uh, our procurement unplug series. As always, I'm your host John Hansen, and I have to tell you, I'm, I'm particularly excited about today's guest, uh, uh, Marie uh, Malikshetian, because when I first spoke with her, uh, she was heading up uh, exchanging in North America, and the history and the experience that she brings to the, the any discussion involving procurement is, is going to be interesting. And so I was eager to get her involved in this open forum. Uh, where or format, I guess that'd be the better word, format, where, again, we pose those three questions, the ones that you as our listeners and readers have indicated are the most important to you, uh, and, and, and get her take on, on where the world is headed, because I believe we really are on the verge of a, of a major shift in the way the industry is going, and, and a shift that goes beyond the way we used to cover it in the past or, the, or talk about the industry or view it. I mean, we, we are beyond the world of future function and benefit, and we're now into, and I'm talking about the technology, of course, and we're now into the people behind the industry who are really the driving forces and the, the mindsets that, are, that, that are, are, are going to become even more prevalent in, in directing and governing the future of where the industry goes. Now, I want to remind everyone before I bring Marie on board is that uh, we are broadcasting live over the virtual airways of the Blog Talk Radio Network. However, if you're not able to join us uh, right at this particular point in time, well, not to worry, because the entire segment is being recorded, which means, listeners, you can tune in at your convenience. And that's just one of the great, great features of Internet radio, in particular, Blog Talk Radio. So without further delay, let's welcome back to the show... Uh, Marie Malik-Sechin. Marie, uh, you know, it, it's it's good to have you back. It seems that it's been far too long, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for having me again on the show. I always enjoy talking to you and all the topics that you bring and uh, hopefully would be helpful to the uh, listeners you have and the community that you have. So thanks for having me again. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. If we could just spend a couple of minutes, because the first time we talked, you were with exchanging and brought some very interesting dialogue and still still one of the more uh, one of the more popular uh, segment interviews we we've, we've done um, can you catch people up with what you're doing now uh, before we talk about it and get into the the three questions yep um, you know uh, it's it's interesting the path that I have gone through and we talked about it in the prior interview as well I've uh, been very fortunate to have uh, been in great uh, roles, which I have not planned for, but I have pursued um, a very much uh, to, to try and grow in, starting with uh, IBM in the procurement organization, which at that time I didn't know much about it. But I've learned quite a bit during the transformational era 
and I've gotten engaged in almost everything that you can think of in procurement. So what that does to you is allows you to learn both the pluses and the challenges that you undergo, not simply in procurement organization, but transformation. So think about strategic sourcing, technology, uh, contracting, um, uh, people, uh, recruitment, leadership, everything possible. And with that, then I took that learning and went into the outsourcing world, which becomes a totally different uh, play because now you are dealing with someone else's procurement organization and transformation. There's an element that is so critical with people, uh, the type of people that you bring to those outsourcing organizations. So learning from those two experiences, both at IDM as well as exchanging, what that does to you, it really teaches you what are the essential elements. When someone is trying to grow there or transform their procurement organization and or outsourcing, source. And that doesn't happen easily. It happens by learning from your mistakes as well as from the positive things. So people is a critical aspect for me, I think, as well as the customers who you serve. Those are two critical areas, and I feel very strongly about it. So with that, I've started my own uh, small company by which I help uh, companies, uh, you know, I don't want to call it consulting, but coaching and holding their hands to understand what is the best fit for them today, uh, whether they do it themselves or they outsource it. How can they be successful and how important it is for them to have the right processes, uh, the right technology, and the right level of bringing people because procurement is all about people. You're engaging with stakeholders, with suppliers, so there's a strong element there, and it doesn't happen overnight as many companies expected. There is a path by which you need to slowly grow into that and evolve yourself. So that's uh, what I do, including uh, being on various boards and advisory roles to help uh, startup companies that really focus on people um, to be engaged in. Well, you see, you, you know, it's interesting because there's several thoughts that came to mind. Number one, as you talk about the, the what would have in the past been referred to as the intangible elements and, and almost in many instances relegated, if you will, to almost an afterthought uh, behind, let's say, the technology. Uh, that that mm -hmm. is the focus so long. Uh, you know, you remind me of an interview I did in, this past December with uh, uh, Pete Wharton, who's with IBM Commerce Solution Product. Uh, he's their marketing mm -hmm. leader. And, and in, in my interview with him, he quoted, he said, the plan is to create an ecosystem of technology partners to extend IBM services capabilities to its customers. And when I think yep. about that, I think about what you're talking about as well, and again, your, 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 your roots going back to IBM, is the recognition that you have to be almost what you would call a facilitator of being able to bring together the right uh, elements, which includes yes. uh, technology as a role to play, which includes uh, all of these other factors, but more so understanding and connecting with people and bringing the right resources, the right expertise to the table. I mean, is this part of this, and this sort of segues into you know, what Hanfield was talking about and, and right into the first of the three questions, is when he said that there is a definite and definitive break chasm 
between procurement professionals of the past, uh, and some Marines mm -hmm. have indicated that that includes even the media who has covered, bloggers, et cetera, who covered the past. But there's a definitive break in how things were done before and how they're doing it now or will be doing it now. And, and while yep. it's not necessarily going to be generational in and of itself, then many who have a traditional view or a background may find it very difficult, if not impossible, to bridge that chasm. And that, that what yep. you're talking about, that sort of puts you in a rare position now, doesn't it? It kind of puts you yep. in a unique position of having that experience, yet the ability to recognize and adapt to this. What, what are your thoughts on this chasm? Yep, I, I totally agree with you. It is a unique position. It doesn't exist. You know, often people tell me there is less than a handful of people that would be able to get into this role. Um, and it requires, you know, it's not about uh, financials at all. It is about doing the right thing and helping companies in this um, area because procurement is definitely an area of people uh, you know, companies who have not matured yet still believe procurement individuals are purchasing people, and it's all about the cost. Um, so when you get into the outsourcing world, you realize how important the communication skills is. So the new era, um, to your point, the new era is going to be about uh, communication, and what I call it is client acumen. You know, no, we have, we, is, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt because you just raised something interesting. The the outsourcing mindset is that, yes. and you have that acumen you're talking about. You know, in the past when people would outsource, let's face it, yeah. the majority of e-procurement initiatives and undertaking involving technology obviously failed. Uh, but yeah. outsourcing track record hasn't exactly been stellar either. And it Absolutely. was almost as if it, it was almost as if companies who lacked the acumen were just sort of getting rid of a hot potato hoping to reduce yep. headcount, which they did, uh, and, yep. and it looked good for a while in the books. But without that communication you just talked about, outsourcing also fails. So is, 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 is this an era of, of where we look at and say, you know, we really have to be able to manage uh, and, and, and people or relationships. We have to be in tune to bringing the right people to the table and then being able to set up yes. that communication. Is that – yes? In terms of outsourcing, is that a difficult thing still for companies to do? Like, is there still the tendency or the temptation, yeah. maybe that's a better word, to look at outsourcing as a way of relieving yourself of a, what you would consider to be a non-core competency, even though uh, it doesn't, it, 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 its implications, if it isn't executed well uh, in an outsourced relationship, ha has almost worse ramifications for you. Is there still that, that, that tendency, that propensity to say, look, I'm just getting rid of a problem and you're the expert, figure yeah. it out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in my experience, you still see that happening. I mean, it's logical, right? Think about it. The reason why they are bringing an outsourcing company because they want to resolve issues, uh, issues that they cannot handle. Uh, sometimes an unknown because they don't have the data either because they don't have the people. So what that creates if they are not ready um, mindset-wise, 
and leadership-wise, i.e. top-down from the CEO down, mandating for a transformation, then there is no question there is going to be challenges and failures along the way. It's not, it's not necessarily simply the outsourcing company's mistake or the people's mistake, which unfortunately are the ones that get hit by this, uh, but equally the companies, the way they think, and, and they need more than ever those companies need individuals behind them to tell them how they should progress so that this becomes a success. You know, as much as the outsourcing company tries to explain it, it's, you know, it's the provider, the supplier, and they're not going to um, always listen to it or address it. But if they think about it as a progression, maybe today is not the right time for you to outsource. Maybe tomorrow it is for you better to outsource until you do the following steps. That might put them in a better position. Or it may be a partial step that they need to talk, to take, such as a, a SaaS provider. Maybe do a portion of it until you get to a point where the outsourcing can become that logical situation. Now, the second point you brought up was around resources. Um, you know, the, the, the generation that succeeds the best and let's take strategic sourcing are those that have certain skills in the industry. And couple that with the uh, procurement, you know, capabilities, couple that with their client acumen, it puts them in a better position to work as influencers with the stakeholders. Can you find these resources everywhere? No, they are, they are few, um, and the rest needs to be trained. And it needs to be trained by those that have been successful and or who have gone through difficulties. And those individuals will need to have um, the, the, um, uh, the appetite to do that and once you have those two married together, you would be able to train and bring the next generation to fruition. Well, now you see, that's an interesting point here because, because again, if you look at it, and, and you, you know, I've always believed in, in uh, Jim Collins' good to great uh, approach of uh, autopsies without blame, with a, without pointing a finger of blame, you figure out what went wrong and you fix it. But in many uh-huh. instances, what happens with the outsourced companies is is that when they go after business with these organizations yep. that are looking yep. to uh, uh, alleviate or relieve themselves of a difficulty, that and never mind the fact that if you can't communicate in within the organization, you're certainly not going to yep. be able to communicate effectively with external stakeholders or partners. But these outsourcing companies were put in the position of winning the business first and worrying about making it work, uh-huh. uh, work later. I mean, like uh-huh. that's another uh-huh. element that comes in. There's, there has to yep. be some discipline yep. on all parts of it. Uh, are, 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 the, are the companies that, that do outsourcing, have they hit the, that maturation point where they're willing to walk away from business uh, and, and not, not worry about making it work later if they realize up front that, you know, this isn't going to work? Because what will ultimately happen, and, and, and I think people like, like Andy Akrush in his book Relationships first talked about this, is that, you know, if you don't have a collaborative model in place, what ultimately uh-huh. happens 
is that you 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 end up having divergent uh, agendas and and that gap mm-hmm. widens more and more where there's even less and less communication so i mean is there that maturation on the side of the outsourcing organizations when they look at this to no longer say let's just win the business and we'll worry about it later i mean yep. are they at that point of discipline or self discipline i think you are bringing such an important point right the the two points that, that you know, I, I want to bring together is first the collaboration. The new generation will need to think about procurement as a collaborative body. It's not simply about the price. It is about how you're going to be able to work collaboratively with your suppliers, with your stakeholders, in order to make the company successful. This is not about just cutting the cost. This is about competing in the market. 70%, uh, Matthew Etaw, who is the CEO of Proxima, they have done a research by which, um, you know, and yet you can see it on their website, 70% of a company's revenue is externalized. In other words, is with the suppliers. If you don't know how to manage that and if you simply focus on the cost, you're definitely going to have some issues. So CEOs and C-level leadership will need to understand that. Now, bring that into the outsourcing world. Uh, The way outsourcing works is, especially with the larger companies, the global companies, they go into a bidding, and the bidding, uh, what, what that does is try and bring the lowest price, uh, the best services, um, and so on and so forth. So now you have a competition that is based on how much savings, what type of metrics you're going to have to make sure that you are going to be able to bring the savings, which is exactly the issue that you bring up. makes it very difficult uh, for you uh, to be able to think about the collaboration because it shouldn't be only about the savings. So companies who are going to be successful, and, and Proxima is doing that recently. I've, I've had a, a lot of look at their um, some of the work that they are doing. Their focus is not simply on cost cutting, but their focus is how do I make you successful in your business? Metrics that matter. It's not a metrics of cost savings simply. Now, misunderstand me, cost savings is important. But sometimes you have to think about the quality, the supplier, the risk, the brand, uh, the, um, the, the turnaround, innovation, how you compete in the new generation against, you know, all the stuff that's happening in the social media. Uh, all of that is critical for you to think about, and you need to bring that stakeholder and those suppliers together to sit down and think about the best thing for the company, not simply that cost savings. Now, you see, you you brought up something that really tweaked me because, again, I, I uh, uh, shared a webinar with Proxima, but shortly after their Harvard Business Review article came out by their, their, their president, and it was interesting because there was that focus on, again, we'll call them what was previously seen as the intangibles, but one thing that, that, that you, you really touched on that, that, that made me think is, is that this new generation, we're not just talking anymore about functional silos of isolation between finance and IT and procurement. Mm-hmm. It, it would be safe to say that the same generational divide that Hanfield talks about in relation to procurement 
uh, and he talks about the importance of the entire organization adopting that mindset. This also is occurring to varying degrees within those other professions as well, isn't it? I Absolutely. Mean, the, the, and so that is also going to have, a, I would imagine, is it safe to say an influence on the accelerated mm-hmm. acceptance? So if you, for example, mm-hmm. have an organization where you may have the new mindset exist uh, in the procurement field, but if finance still is in the in the old mode of cost, and I like what you said, is metrics that matter do not just include or are not limited to cost savings alone. But if you are, are caught in that situation where you've got a finance department that thinks that way, you're still going to be dragged down on this. It's still going to be difficult to, to do it, even if you realize it in the procurement department, correct? Yep, yeah, absolutely. So that's why, you know, if you link what we said earlier about the resources, um, talent and skill that comes from the industry, so take a CMO, for example, right? Um, if you bring a talent uh, in the category of marketing who has been in the industry, combine that with procurement, then you have a better influence to work with the CMO and gain that confidence from the CMO and that collaboration starts happening in by itself. So the skills and the talents that you are bringing that, you know, it's industry-specific uh, communication skills um, is, um, you know, very much a combined talent working with C-levels can help make that transformation. But just talking about cost saving, um, the way outsourcing companies are doing it is not going to be helpful and it's not going to be easy to transform the CIO, the CMO, the CTOs, and the CFOs of the world. So in essence, those companies, and, and then I'm going to ask you sort of, certainly an interesting question that will you know, uh, expand, uh, but those companies who are going through this simultaneous transformation, all these key departments within an enterprise, those ones have obviously a competitive advantage in terms of attracting and keeping uh, the best uh, talent. I mean, the, the most mm-hmm. innovative thinkers, the best talent, as compared to organizations that don't. On the mm-hmm. other side of that coin, Marie, if you're, let's say, in a, if you're in procurement and you're stuck with a finance department that is still in the, in, in the 80s and the 90s of cost cutting and everything like that, do you ride it out or do you look for other companies for whom you can work? I mean, like, is this going to become, is, is because now people are choosing to be in the profession, young people are getting in, the curriculum yep. is certainly more geared to that. Is this something that 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 you you for example would advise this up and coming generation to really examine the companies uh, from this standpoint before agreeing to work with them, for example? Yep, absolutely. Um, there was uh, there was a study that was done uh, by IBM. I'm, I'm sure I can find it and forward it to you um, to use it as well in in your blog. Uh, but that um, that particular study talked about uh, the uh, millennials in the workplace, and one of the interesting things I remember is that the myth number one is, um, you know, do they do they work um, at the same weight as many of the uh, you know older employees? Um, and the you know study showed that they both they both um, do have the same weight on many of those same career goals as uh, the older employees. But there was a question there that really talked, um, you know, what is it that the new generation was looking for? And it was companies who are ethical, 
companies who um, uh, focus on uh, doing the right thing and people are moving and shifting, leaving companies and going to companies that are really focusing on making sure that a company is successful, especially when it comes at a country level. So um, to your question, I think I have no doubt in my mind that this new generation has a better uh, approach to how they do work. It's, It's not about the old procurement way of doing it, but more about how can I help the company succeed, especially with with the latest boom of companies growing like, you know, Uber or um, any of the uh, smaller, small, medium companies. Those companies want to be successful. In order to be successful, each and every single member of that company needs to be accountable to what they are doing, and being accountable means doing the right thing and alternatively focusing on the right uh, type of um, services and metrics. So uh, my my answer to your question is absolutely. Now, you see, this is, it's interesting because when you think about the past, you know, the, and, and certainly in my generation, the belief was that, you know, cradle to grave employment, that if you change your jobs more than one time or twice, you're considered mm-hmm. irresponsible, those kinds of elements. Yeah. So at this point, the advantage now is shifted to the up-and-coming talent, the employees, because they're now looking and, and saying, well, there's no such thing as long-term employment. Uh, we have that mobility, and mobility without stigma, let's call it that, uh, associated with it so that if, if, we're, if, if we do make a wrong choice uh, and we are talented and passionate about what we do, we have options to go elsewhere. And, and this then okay. in itself should be a determining factor of change. It, do you believe that this one element is what makes the up-and-coming generation perhaps more influential in terms of affecting change than previous generations? Oh, definitely. I I, uh, I totally believe they do. Um, and, you know, if we, we won't go too far. It's not just a new generation, I think. Um, even the older generation that has gone through what they have seen, the good and the bad, are in the same situation as well. What, what they focus on is really... Uh, looking for making a difference now. They've gone for everything they have done. I mean, look at myself. My primary focus is making um, a successful uh, company. Others um, benefit from the learnings because you want to do the right thing, because you want to be part of a generation that is able to make sure that the next step is the right thing to do. So it's not just the new generation. I think the older generation, like ourselves, are also focused on that. Now, here's an interesting point, because, you, you know, and, and you talked about Proxima and, and going to the technologies and vendors, et cetera, and the coverage of the industry. I mean, let's say it's in the past, and, and, and you know, I, I remember the days before DOS where CPM was the operating system and there were 8-inch floppies <laughs> and there were still punch cards. And technology itself was the, was the, the center stage star. And the coverage within the industry was focused on doing a features, functions, benefit comparison. Is it safe to say that technology today, especially with this generation next, is is less, uh, I guess, uh, intimidating, and that, generally speaking, overall, and one of the reasons why perhaps Proxima is going in the direction they are, is is that the recognition is is that 
you're now dealing with implementations that instead of taking years and costing millions and millions, you can implement solutions relatively quickly for a fraction of the cost, and, 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 and mm-hmm. they all perform well differently. They all, they all have a reliability that certainly may not have, have existed in the past. I mean, what impact has that had in terms of how the uh, media, for example, uh, covers this industry? I mean, because you're talking about the things and what IBM is doing. What you're talking about is that there has to be a new way to really, really understand this industry. There has to be a new way to understand what is going to be uh-huh. considered newsworthy and important. I mean, is, uh-huh. is that a factor that, that, that's on the table as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, I always say a supply chain and procurement is made out of three important things, process, technology, and people. We talk quite extensively about the people. I think you bring up a good point about the technology. You know, the emergence of the e-commerce as well as the mobile supply chain has brought up so many things. I mean, think about it. In 2009, um, you know, two years after the iPhone was launched, developers have created about 150,000 applications. By 2014, uh, that number was 1.2 million, and users have downloaded more than 75 billion total apps. Where does supply chain and procurement fit in here? So there's such an evolution that is happening in uh, the supply chain because of the advancement of IT and infrastructure and mobile technologies that um, – you know, C-level uh, uh, leadership and, and um, supply chain and procurement individuals will need to have a, a specific focus in this area. Uh, they they uh, need to um, think that this new generation of IT, especially related to analytics, cloud computing, uh, big data, um, and and so on and so forth, is going to make their competition help them become more agile, more responsive, um, make faster transformation, have a better access to timely and accurate information. Um, we will be able to have better visibility to their inventory, whether it is in the warehouse or being delivered. Um, I, I think those are all key important uh, elements to the success of not simply the supply chain, uh, the company itself, because of these technologies that are happening um, recently, and it's going to continue uh, growing as well. So in essence, this effect of change, this divide that, that, that again, Hanfield talked about in getting into technology and practice and all these factors, it's not, again, just isolated to the procurement profession. It also extends yep. to include the, the finance, the IT department. It extends yes. to include the yes. vendors themselves and even those covering the industry. And so if you, were to, if you were to be asked, if somebody were to ask you for advice and say very, very quickly and, and looking at the future trends of all of these things, if somebody would say to you, Marie, mm-hmm. what – what are the what are the three most important things? And you know what, it doesn't have to be three, by the way. But what are uh-huh. the most important things in terms of, of of being able to make that transition, to make that 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 leap to cross the chasm? You seem to have been able to do it. What are what, how do you, how do we do that? Whether we're in in the media and covering the procurement industry, whether we're a vendor, uh, whether we're uh, again procurement, finance, or IT. Uh-huh. What what are the things that are most important? What are the, the key things that they need to to equip themselves with? I think the first thing that I would say is 
um, analytics, analytics, analytics. There is so much data that is coming through, not simply from the business, but the social media. And because it has so much effect to any business, in any industry, in any type of uh, line of a company's business, that analytics has become a very important um, piece of, of any company. And in addition to that, the analytics piece is going to help them identify the trends and do certain predictive analysis by which they would put them into the next stage, into the innovative stage. So it's important to make sure that analytics has a specific focus. Uh, there is a, you know, a team of um, uh, analytics uh, individual. It could be in the IT department. Um, and if it is large enough, each of these smaller lines of business might be able to have their own. So if we take procurement, if it is a large organization, the IT department has an analytics team, then the procurement organization might have a couple of people sitting with specific focus on their business. Of course, analytics doesn't come just by having individuals. You need to have the right system behind it and the ERP system, especially if you are a global company making sure that your systems are talking to each other and you're not getting garbage out of it. But there's so much that can be done. You know, my, my son, um, who's an engineer, has um, transformed himself into the analytics of IBM research. There's so much data that comes on an individual basis from social media that you need to pay attention because it's important not simply for your business but for your brand as well. So analytics. Sorry to interrupt, but this is an interesting thing. So if people are just getting into the social media realms now, are they at a disadvantage Mm -hmm. because they're just getting into it now? Um, Not necessarily. There's no right time to start uh, or end, but as long as you're getting in, you need to be very cautious on how you're using the social media. Um, And equally, make sure that you do uh, start a team that would not simply uh, manage the social media, but manage your brand as well. What goes in, what comes out is very important. Um, the key is to be able to prepare yourself ahead of time as compared to start looking at it towards the end. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's no right time or wrong time as long as they've started now and they are able to manage that uh, content that's coming out of it, that's, um, that's success in by itself. And see, maybe that's the biggest change or, or non-change overall in all of this, even with from the technological standpoint. Back in the early days, it used to be the term garbage in, garbage out. Content right. is still right. the focus of, of, of uh, and the foundation of one's brand and, and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the validity, I don't know if that's the right word, but certainly the, 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 the value of what you have yep. to offer. Uh, and, and that's what you're really saying. It isn't that the social media itself changes the game. But the understanding of how to use the social media, just like understanding how to use the technology. And that's where it ties right. back to the full circle of what you talked about before, isn't it? The ability to manage people, the ability to manage brands. It, it, the technologies right. will always be changing. They'll always be expanding. Yep. Mobile supply chains, they talk about in terms of, 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 of uh, data getting into the area of zettabytes and all of these factors. But at the end of the day, there are common rules or common, uh, what you call, 
characteristics of success, and that goes back to, again, uh, the content, the, the ability to manage the intangibles, which are really the tangibles, the people, and, and, and all of that entails. And, I mean, that's really what you focus on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the other part of, of all of this is, you know, we've talked about it earlier as well from a trend perspective, is uh, professionals on demand. Um, you know, they, you have a large generation, uh, the baby boomers that are coming out with a lot of knowledge and expertise, and it's such a shame um, to lose that knowledge and be able to transform it. You know, in prior jobs that I have had, I've always tried to have a combination of three generations. Um, you know, the, the white haired who have so much knowledge to provide um, and combine that with a professional who are specific in one area or another. And then the third new generation that is thirsty to learn and to make new changes based on the learning. So when you put those three together, you have the ultimate best you know, group of individuals that would be able to help a company. So having procurement professionals, uh, as I want to call it, on demand, uh, is probably one of the things that you're going to see more and more happening. Because those procurement professionals who have been in their jobs for years um, can uh, take a part of their time and devote it um, through an on-demand model, whether it's on the web or through organization, to help other companies who do not have either the means or the capability to recruit uh, professionals. You know, there's, there's limited number of professionals uh, to help them in their procurement or supply chain uh, business. So that uh, model of on-demand I think is something that's going to grow over time and people are going to see the benefit of it uh, quick, fast, easy, and, um, you know, use it with uh, confidence and accountability. Got it. Well, you know, Marie, and as they often do uh, with good conversations, the time flies. We are out of time, of course. But one of the things, and again, in terms of your own organization, if you could just remind everyone, um, how do they get in touch with you? Well, uh, the name of my company is Reliance Solution Services, and uh, the best thing to do is to send me an email at marie.melikstetian at com or call me at 914-804-3404. Great. Well, Marie, thank you so much. And, you know, we'll have to have you back on the show again. But I, I think you offered a, a, a pretty interesting perspective on this. And, and, again, part of the fact is is that going back to your origins within IBM and, 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 and considering being one of, uh, like myself, I guess, one of the older generation who, uh, you know, are, are being, uh, at least from, from Hanfield's perspective, and in a way rightfully so, uh, being challenged to make that leap over to the new uh, the new reality or jumping that chasm, it, it's great to get that perspective because I think it also shows the way to others that it, it's not an age factor or a generational thing alone, but it's a desire and a will factor. And I think that's that, that's the big takeaway from uh, from from what uh, I get from talking with you today. I mean, is that a fair way to say it? Absolutely, fair way to say it. Absolutely, and I always enjoy being on your show, John. Um, very, um, very interesting discussion, and I look forward to talking to you at the next show.
Thank you. Thank you, Marie, and that will be sooner rather than later. And to you, of course, listening audience, thank you so much for your time today. And that, of course, is your most valuable resource, your time. And hopefully you found the discussion with uh, Marie Malik-Sechin quite interesting. Uh, Again, if you have any questions for her, I'll make sure the link to her site is posted. And uh, I guess, as I always say, until we come at you over these same virtual airwaves of the Blog Talk Radio Network, have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.